0: The following podcast is presented by the Women in Comedy Festival as part of the WICF Podcast
1: Network. Check us out at WICF.com slash podcast. This is Adapted
0: with Anna and Sam. We love books and we love movies. Warning,
1: here be spoilers. with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna. And I'm Sam.
0: In this podcast we talk about a book, we talk about a, about a movie or a TV show based on that book, we play some fun games, and we encourage you to read and watch along with us.
1: In this episode we will be talking about The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo by Stig Larsson and the 2011 English language film. Uh, we do want to issue a content warning the girl with the dragon tattoo features acts of violence and sexual abuse especially against women that are graphic and may be unsettling or inappropriate for some of our listeners we also want to say we are a comedy podcast and so while we are joking around today we do take these topics very seriously thank you anna thank you sam So, Sam, what's your quick take? Um,
0: So, while I didn't hate the book, once I finally actually made it past the boat scene, because I have to admit, it took me three tries to get past that one chapter. (laughs) um,
1: You've been trying to read this book since since 2008. (laughs)
0: Yeah, since it came out. um, So, 10 years. 10 years. um, I'm not sure I truly understand why so many people are like, oh my god, you have to read this book. Okay. I mean, I I enjoyed it, but I'm
1: not sure I, I get the fervor. Okay. All right. What about you? My quick tank take is in song form. <laughs> Daniel Craig, you're so fun, you're so fun, you blow my mind. Hey, Daniel Craig. Uh, 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 uh. Hey, Daniel Craig. Uh, uh,
0: uh, uh. I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: Thank you. It's so
0: appropriate. Very much. <laughs> oh man, oh, I gotta wipe the tear from my eye now. Oh. <sighs> as long as I make you laugh, this it's is all worth matters. it. <laughs> Uh, so
1: should we kick it off with our six degrees? And- yes, and I should um, just preface by saying that I set a goal for myself because I'm crazy. Again. <laughs> and this time my goal was to include uh, the Swedish language version of Girl at the Dragon Tattoo. And oh, nice. I did it, but Uh-oh. in order to do it, I had to go through some really terrible movies. So I apologize <laughs> in advance. So uh, last time we did... The Crooked House. One of the actors in that was Christina Hendricks. Mm-hmm. She also was in Mad Men with Jared Harris. Both
0: Jared fatties. Harris
1: was in one of the superior Harrises, really. Yes. He was in Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows with Numi Rapace. Rapace, Rapace.
0: I'm not sure if it's Rapace or Rapace.
1: Rapace. It's a Swedish name, but I don't it's know. Italian.
0: I, I'm a, I apologize for every name I'm going to mispronounce this <laughs> podcast. Oh,
1: yeah. that We should have mentioned that. There's a it's, lot of Swedish names we're going to butcher today. I'm going to butcher them,
0: and I apologize. So,
1: Numi is in the <laughs> Swedish version of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo with Michael Nykvist. I loved him. He was lovely. Passed away recently, which is a shame. He was only 57. But before he died, yes. he was in Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol with Great movie. Jeremy Renner. Terrible, terrible man. <laughs> and I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so, so sorry. But Jeremy Renner was in Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. <laughs> I have not seen all of it, but I have seen bits and pieces of that movie. I've seen the whole thing. I'm sure you have. <laughs> uh, with Gemma Arterton. Who was in Quantum of Solace with our own James Bond, Daniel Craig.
0: Nice. What's nice. your six degrees? So I also have some terrible movies in mine. I shouldn't say <laughs> some. I should say half of them are terrible movies. Okay. Um, but I do want to just throw out there, uh, there is a one degree version of this one. Yes. Uh, Julian Sands is in both versions. And you should probably check it out. in Warlock as well, which I'm going to keep mentioning.
1: You, it's uh, a terrible, terrible uh, movie. By versions you mean both the, the film we did last yes. week, Crook Crooked House. Crooked House. And, and he's in this. And this. I was surprised. I Because he's not like top build in no. Girl of the Dragon. In tattoo. So when he appeared in a flashback, I was like, what? "I know. Uh, I was uh, like, "Where did he come from?" He Yeah, we just saw him. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, was that Julian?" Oh, oh my God, it was. But good casting. He actually yeah. does kind of look like Christopher Plummer.
0: He does. Well, and the thing is, with this cast, um, it's a fantastic cast, even for people who
1: are on screen for two seconds. Oh yeah, there's I a have, lot like, of a list great of that actors in with summary. big parts. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's your six degrees? Right. Your your full six, not the, the, the <laughs> zero <laughs> degrees, which is Julian Sands.
0: Um, so I start with Terrence Stamp in The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, yes. You started with that in, with Guy Pearce. Lovely. Uh, Guy Pearce was in L.A. Confidential with Kim Basinger. Okay. Kim Basinger was in Wayne's World 2. Oh, there's the bad one. Okay. All right. The first one was
1: really good, though. Look, I'm not saying I haven't seen <laughs> Wayne's World 2 multiple times, but it is not a... Tour oh, no, no. force of no, no. cinema history. No. The the
0: first one was good and they should have probably stopped there. The first one was enjoyable. Yes. I don't think good is no, the no, word. It was, good. It was enjoyable. <laughs> so she was in Waynes World 2 with Tia Carrera. Here it comes.
1: Just wait for it. Wait
0: a minute. I'm trying to think of Tia Carrera's filmography. Oh god, which one is it? <laughs> Tia Carrera was in
1: Call the Conqueror with Thomas Ian Griffith. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> oh. <sighs> oh. yep. I bet she's really glad that we brought that up.
0: I'm sure she is. Um so wait, who else was in that movie with her? Thomas Ian Griffith. I don't even know who that is. He was a bad guy. I, he's like I a, haven't
1: seen it, oddly he's, enough.
0: He's like a stunt guy who like tries to act. So he's like if you need a big hulking bad guy, he's generally the one you call. Like from the early nineties. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. And then Thomas Ian Griffith was in triple X with Vin Diesel. Oh, wow. Okay. And then Vin Diesel was in The Chronicles of Riddick with Joran von Wageningen. He played um her guardian, her old her new guardian who takes advantage. Oh,
1: uh, uh the Of Lisbeth. She, he plays Bierman? Yeah. Okay. Bierman, The new guardian. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that I mean, is uh, uh,
0: <laughs> I beat you with the worst movies.
1: You did. I had one truly <laughs> terrible movie, but you I, uh, did another. have several. <laughs> congratulations thank you very much you win the poop ice cream and
0: honestly this was the easiest six degrees i've done all season so i don't know because <laughs> you says. just looked at
1: your own dvd shelf and were like basically,
0: burp burp burp. basically i think the only movie i don't well no i only own half of these movies no i only own two movies never mind
1: so there well you know what i don't own <laughs> any of these movies is that true yeah because i don't know. buy movies anymore no
0: no you know all right so Anna, do you want to give us your book report
1: I would love to. So, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, written by Stieg Larsson, was published posthumously in Sweden in 2005, translated and published in English in 2008. And by the way, the original Swedish title actually translates to Men Who Hate Women. And I bring that up because I think it's, while a little on the nose, very important (laughs) thematically. And uh, just a little historical sidebar. Like his... uh, Oh... Like his protagonist, Michael Blomqvist, I'm going to have so much fun saying that name. Is it Blomqvist
0: or is it Blomqvist? Because I feel like in the English version they
1: said Bloom. Oh, really? But I don't know. I've been saying Blomqvist this whole time. I
0: would say Blomqvist then.
1: Michael. There you go. Like his protagonist, Michael B., (laughs) Larson was an investigative journalist. He had finished two manuscripts in the series and partially completed the third at the time of his death in 2004. According to his partner, he had plans for a 10-part series, but due to disputes between her and Larson's family, the materials he left are not the basis for any other books in the series beyond the original three.
0: Contrary to the rumors I have been spreading to all of my co-workers.
1: Why are you spreading rumors to your... Who does that benefit? Me? I I don't know. You just like to stir up. (laughs) Um, Also, according to Wikipedia... The English language translation needlessly prettified the language. So, who knows what we're missing by not reading in the original Swedish. Also, huh? I don't consider the language in this book very pretty. There are some really vile, depraved stuff in here. So, yeah. like, it like, was worse.
0: Honestly, I didn't even think it was a, ho- like a hot translation. I thought it was... I don't know. There were some parts of it I was just like, why did you say it this way yeah oh yeah there's some awkward (laughs) pros there is i'm not sure how that's prettying it up though
1: well i'm wondering if like they removed some stuff or toned some stuff down that's what i took that to be. anyways um but it's so much so that the original translator actually had his name removed oh wow because the publisher cleaned it up after he'd gone through Wow, That's what the internet says. The internet never lies. Oh, no. The
0: internet's always
1: correct. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't believe the true stuff I've read on there about various political candidates. All right. (laughs) To the story. So, after a prologue where an unnamed old man receives an anonymous birthday present of a pressed flower, we shift to Stockholm where journalist Michael Eh, Blomqvist—that sounds like that that could be right. Yeah. Has just been convicted of libel against shady business mogul Hans-Erik (laughs) Wenderström. That's a fun (laughs) one. Um, Blomkvist's professional reputation is in tatters, and the magazine he co-owns, Millennium, is on the brink of collapse. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to Blomkvist, a lawyer named Dirk Frode... The names in this are just so fun. Right? Dirk Frode has hired a secure... Frode? I think it's actually Frode. 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 Oh, nice. Dirk yeah. Frode has hired a security firm to conduct background research on him. I really hope no one who actually speaks Swedish.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm uh, getting <laughs> these pronunciations from the English language version, and people have made fun of the Swedish accents in that movie. Like, I oh. made fun of being, being like, why did you choose to do Swedish accents? Well, and they don't all do Swedish accents. No, Daniel and Craig thought it was stupid, so he's like, I'm not doing it. Yeah, it's.
1: I yeah. have to agree with Daniel Craig. Yep. Anyways, where was I? So, Dirk Frode has hired a security firm to conduct background research on Blomkvist. The researcher assigned to the case is the brilliant but difficult Lisbeth Salander. Salander is described as anorexically thin, with tattoos, piercings, and short-dyed black hair. For her report, she digs into Blomkvist's professional personal life professional and personal life, and reveals to Frode that while he has had an on-again-off-again with his married business partner, Erika Berger, Ooh. he is basically a decent person. She also suspects there is more to the accusations against Wennerström than the court uncovered, and that perhaps Blomqvist was right. She and her boss agree to continue investigating Wennerström. Blomqvist receives a call from Frode a few days later with an unusual offer come to visit his boss, retired business magnate and eccentric billionaire Henrik Vanger, about a potential job offer. On a whim he soon regrets, Blumikvist accepts and the day after Christmas, he takes the train to the frozen north of Sweden. And if the Swedes are complaining that it's cold, (laughs) it's cold. Right? Vonger lives on an island that is almost entirely owned by members of his large extended family. In a town dependent on the Vonger family business that has been run by Vongers for over a hundred years, and I'm pretty sure they dominate the town. Oh yeah, they're like they own everything. They they're... live everywhere. And... Yeah, <clears throat> I've lived in towns like that, <laughs> where like there's like two family names. Yeah, and every single family, bu- every single business in the neighborhood has is owned of those by a cousin names. of a cousin. Yep, and then they intermarry, and it's weird. Ugh. Henrik, though retired, is the patriarch of the squabbling viper's nest that is the Vonger clan. He offers Blumfist an exorbitant amount of money to work for him for one year and do two things. The first is write a history of the Vonger family, but is merely a cover for the second task. Find out who murdered Henrik's favorite grandniece, Harriet Vonger, in 1965. Now it gets interesting finally i know oh. it it took a long oh. time to get there there was that whole scene on the boat i skipped oh. that <laughs> see i forced myself to go through it and that's why it took me 10 oh freaking years oh my goodness <laughs> old swedish dudes are doing shots and talking business Oh my God, it was so boring yeah if you're re if you haven't read the book yet and you're about to read it you can just skip that whole scene it's it really totally pl- it really
0: adds nothing to the
1: story you <laughs> don't need any of that information <laughs> um Harriet, daughter of Henrik's alcoholic nephew and vain wife, had been Hen- uh, the vain wife of the nephew, not Henrik. That would be weird. That would be weird. Had been Henrik's favorite. After her father got drunk and drowned, Henrik had taken Harriet and her brother Martin under his wing, even letting Harriet live with him while Martin went to boarding school. The day Harriet disappeared, there was an accident that blocked the only bridge from town. For an hour, no one could come onto or leave Hedeby Island. Harriet was seen on the island after the crash. But several hours later, after the bridge was finally reopened and the family sat down to dinner, Harriet was missing. It's a locked room mystery, but instead of a room, it's an entire island, and there are literally dozens of possible suspects. Dun-dun-dun! Right? For 30 years, the mystery baffled the police and obsessed Henrik. And ever since her mysterious disappearance, someone has been taunting Henrik by sending him framed, pressed flowers for for his birthday the same gift Harriet used to give him before her death. It's a fascinating setup for a case, but Blomkvist only accepts the job when Henrik offers one final carrot. He has proof that Wennerström is a crook, and he'll give it to Blomkvist after the year is through. Blunkfest finally caves and he soon moves into a little cabin on frozen head of the island and begins digging into the Vanger family's walk-in closet of skeletons. (laughs) So many Nazis. Oh my god. There's a lot of Nazis. I do
0: remember reading this and like how you know kind of reading up about the the story afterwards and and like people were like yeah this is this is sweden like sweden was full of nazis and like you don't ever really hear about this and like he was like this book kind of like revealed the real sweden to the other just the rest of the world and i was like
1: so we talked i mean i did mention that the main character is does feel like a stand-in for stig Stig, larsen um is a financial investigator stig larsen his focus was actually exposing mm-hmm. nazis, these right-wing yeah. nazi yep. fascist
0: and he, groups and individuals and there's still a lot of them yeah not just all over country. the world
1: yeah. oh rupert has opinions about nazis what do you know about fascism oh right yeah mm-hmm. you're a cat you know lots um <laughs> blumfkvist <clears throat> God, I was saying it right you were. for like two you were seconds, and job. then I lost it. Blomkvist begins his investigation. I have to go fast. Yes. If I go That's fast, I can say it. Michael begins his investigation, <laughs> digging into the crates and crates of evidence that Henrik has accumulated over the decades. And he gets to know some of the inhabitants of Hedeby Island, past and present. There's Harriet's brother, Martin, the current CEO of the Wanger Corporation, who lives in a modern house on the point, and treats Blomkvist to a home-cooked meal and jazz. Cecilia, Harriet and Martin's cousin, who treats Blomkiss to some home cooked sex. There's also Cecilia's estranged father and Henrik's older brother, Harold, a bitter old Nazi, one of several Nazis in Henrik's generation of the family. Mm-hmm. And Harriet's mother, Isabella, who is almost as unpleasant as Harold.
0: And almost a Nazi, but she's too apathetic.
1: Yeah, if she had an ism, it'd be not. She just doesn't care she enough. She doesn't care enough. She just yeah. hates everyone. Yeah. She's a conceited old person. Yes. Back in Stockholm with our friend Solander. She has problems of her own. Due to unnamed troubles, Lisbeth Solander was volatile and violent as a child, and despite her diminu- diminutive size, has time and time again refused to be bullied, reacting with blows when she is attacked, easily overwhelming stronger bullies. But this got her in trouble to the point where, as a teenager, she was declared mentally incompetent and assigned a guardian. Due to her designation, the guardianship has remained in place even into adulthood. So this was not really a problem when her assigned guardian was the sympathetic Holger Palmgren, But when he suffered a stroke, her case was reassigned to lawyer Niels Berman. Did you like it in the book? He's referred to as Advocate, Mm-hmm. Niels Berman. Mm-hmm. And I want to call people Advocat now. I
0: know. It's like, that's a great title.
1: Right. But he's not a great person. No, he's not. He's the worst. There's a lot of truly terrible people in this book. Right. Men who hate women.
0: Aww. Oh, it's like the title. Oh.
1: Oh, it's so subtle. Bureman takes away Salander's control of her finances, but soon reveals his true depraved nature. He uses his control of Salander's checkbook to force her to perform oral sex on him. Salander vows revenge. She doesn't trust the authorities and won't go to the police. She considers murder, but then she'll just be assigned another guardian to deal with.
0: I mean, that was a good lesson that she did learn from Palmgren, is to consider consequences of her actions.
1: Right, and murdering him would result in someone potentially as bad. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, slightly immoral, whatever. Yeah. So she decides to set him up using herself as bait. I just want to repeat, this is extremely disturbing. You may want to skip ahead if you don't want to hear this stuff. Mm-hmm. Solander meets Bjerman at his apartment, but instead of more of the previous encounter, he handcuffs her to his bed and subjects her to a night of brutal rape and torture. In the morning, she is allowed to leave, limping and bleeding, but she does have the evidence to defeat Bjerman. She had taken advantage of the security gadgets available at her investigating job, and secretly recorded the entire encounter. She returns, stuns Bierman with a taser, and straps him down. She makes him watch her home movie, violates him, and lays out her conditions for not revealing the damning video to the world. He will release control of her accounts. He will not come near her. He will lie in his reports that they are having their monthly meetings, and he will arrange for papers to be drawn up for her to be declared competent and released from guardianship. He will also never bring another woman or girl back to his apartment, and to make sure he doesn't, she tattoos, I am a sadistic pig, a pervert, and a rapist, in large letters on his chest, which is kind of badass, and I think maybe white people like this book. Yeah, it's because Lisbeth Salander is the avenging angel we all want to have. Yes. Uh, Blomkvist reports to his three months to, in prison on the same day that Millennium announces that Henrik Vonger is the new financial backer of the magazine. Hmm. It creates a stir, and Blomkvist gets to enjoy three months in the relative comfort of a cushy socialist low-security prison.
0: I mean, that, sounds, that place sounded pretty It basically pretty sounds cushy. like,
1: it's like sabbatical. yeah.
0: I'm like, he's just taking a vacation from his vacation. Yeah.
1: And he gets a lot of writing done. Right? In June, he returns to the North, and he finally breaks new ground in the mystery of Harriet's Harriet's disappearance, uncovering clues that need additional investigating. Before he can share these discoveries with Henrik, the old man has a heart attack and is rushed to the hospital. With the future uncertain, Blomkvist shares his findings with Frode. Frode. Froda tells Blomkvist to continue and agrees to pay for a research assistant. In fact, Froda knows the perfect candidate, the talented Lisbeth Solander, and arranges for her to be hired. So we are more than halfway through the book, and our two protagonists finally meet.
0: Finally? I was like, when are they going to meet? like, are they just going to dance around each other forever? Oh my god.
1: Blomkvist and Solander make a formidable team and have soon uncovered evidence of a crime far more heinous than they had imagined. In the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, a serial killer brutally raped women and mutilated their bodies in twisted emulation of passages from the Old Testament. Their logical conclusion is that Harriet had uncovered this killer, and that was the motive for her murder. But which of the twisted Vanguard clan was the killer, and are they still alive? Our heroes continue to dig, and it becomes clear that someone wants to stop them. An unknown assailant fires a shot at Blomqvist's head while he is alone in the woods, grazing his temple. Slander tenderly bandages his wounds and offers some very nice sex as a consolation then the local cat rupert listen to this part right the local cat that blown Fist had been friendly with is found dismembered and burned on their front porch this is why you're an indoor cat only rupert mm-hmm. so someone is trying to send them a message
0: i mean they're being pretty subtle about that message though so they might want to step it up
1: right or yeah it's like oh you want me to not be in the woods you want me to not hang out with cats i'm not a, I don't i'm not, get not clear it. what you're saying yeah like
0: you're sending me mixed mixed messages here buddy
1: yeah could you maybe like just just write a note right just tell me exactly what you want leave a voicemail <laughs> while salandra is digging through the vanguard corporation archives Blomqvist cracks the case on the day she disappeared, Harriet was caught on camera looking with dismay and even fear at an unknown person across the street. Bloomquist finally finds the proof of who that person was, and it was Harriet's brother, Martin. Uh, Bloomquist, because he is dumb, goes to Martin's house alone.
0: God, men are dumb.
1: <sighs> yeah. yeah. Martin takes him into the basement and very politely shows him his torture chamber and then ties him up. It's so thoughtful. And he reveals the horrible truth. It was Martin and Harriet's father, Gottfried, who was the serial killer of women in the 40s and 50s. He also sexually abused both Martin and Harriet before his untimely death. After he died, Martin continued the family tradition. Isn't that nice?
0: That's so thoughtful.
1: But he was better at disposing of the bodies than his father was, so no one ever caught on. Martin hangs Blumfist with a leather strap around his neck, slowly choking him to death. And he demands to know who killed Harriet. Wait, wait, wait. Martin didn't do it? No. For all what? his sadistic and murderous tendencies, he is ignorant of what really happened to Harriet. Martin Whoa. didn't kill her. Twist! I know. Bloomquist, however, is on the point of death when in strides the avenging angel, Lisbeth Solander. She hits Martin in the face with his own golf club nice. and releases Bloomquist from his restraints. Martin makes a run for it and Solander chases him. He purposefully plows his car headfirst into oncoming traffic, dying in the crash, and Solander returns to bring Blomqvist back to the cabin and tend to his wounds. We're now left with two loose ends, Harriet and Venerstrom. Blomqvist solves the mystery of Harriet with some help from Solander's hacking skills. Cecilia's sister Anita, who lives in London and maintains very little contact with her family, was Harriet's best friend before she disappeared and she was the one person Harriet would have confided in about her father and brother's abuse of her. Bloomquist finds out that Anita had helped sneak Harriet off the island away from her family, and then using Anita's ID, Harriet took her identity, fled the country, eventually marrying and starting a family in Australia. Bloomquist follows her there, where he finds her spending her days castrating sheep, drinking Australian beer, and running a gigantic farming conglomerate. <clears throat> Hashtag life goals. Uh, also, she apparently has, like, a super hot, buff son. Right. So, yeah. Way to go, Anita slash Harriet. Blumkiss convinces her to come home and see Henrik and put the ghost of the past to rest. All along, Harriet herself was sending the pressed flowers to Henrik as a way of letting him know she was alive and well. She never meant to torture him, but in fact to reassure him. So,
0: Clearly that message went astray. So
1: that backfired. People, leave a voicemail. Right? Just tell me what you want. Stop with the... Subtlety. The other loose end, Vennerstrom. Thonger's inside intel on Venerstrom proves to be a dud, but yet again, Solander's hacking skills come to the rescue. She hacked into Venerstrom's computer and his proof of arms deals, ties to the mafia, and more shady, shady underhanded accounting practices than any normal human could untangle. It's the proof Blumfkist needs to take Vennerstrom down, and the expose and huge wave of media that follows saves Millennium and restores his reputation as a journalist.
0: Aww.
1: Meanwhile, Solander engages in some fun roleplay as an imperious blonde and cleans out Vennerstrom's accounts. She covers her tracks so no one will ever know who took Vennerstrom's money, but the revenge on Vennerstrom is complete, and hey, she's a millionaire now! Yay! So it's a happy ending, except that in the end Salander sees Blomkvist with his old flame Erica Burger. And their partnership now seems at an end. Aww. And that is my overlong summary <laughs> of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo.
0: It wasn't that bad. Sam, would you like to
1: tell us about the movie? Sure.
0: Um, so I'm not going to do a summary of the movie again because this movie actually sticks somewhat mostly close
1: to the it's, book. It's pretty close so, to the plot of the book. I um, think it's actually closer than the Swedish version.
0: That's what you were saying. Yeah, yeah the I Swedish version, the version
1: cuts... But... I th- I think it cuts more stuff out. I mean,
0: it's not wrong to, in my opinion. There's so much in there that isn't necessary to tell a good story. It's a very long movie. It was a really long movie. But that's besides the point. But please tell us what you thought. Alright, so my first thought on viewing this movie was, God, what a cast. And then second was, God, so many chances for Snark.
1: (laughs) There are several. There are several. We're good at Snark. Continue. Yay. I'm excited.
0: Um... So the cast includes Daniel Craig as Michael Blumquist, Rooney Mara as Elizabeth Salander, Robin Wright as Erica Berger, Christopher Plummer as Henrik Vonger, Jolie Richardson, Geraldine James, Julian Sands, a guy from Game of Thrones, another guy from Game of Thrones, Joel Kinnaman for two hot seconds, and finally Stellan Skarsgård Stella as Martin Vonger. I waited so long to say that again.
1: Boom-dee-boom-dee-stattling dee Stellan skarsgard Maybe. Oh,
0: that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, directed Scarry, by...
1: Scarry. <laughs> i'm sorry fall. it's never gonna
0: get old never mm-hmm. gonna get old uh directed by david fincher he of fight club zodiac and gone girl fame the movie was released in 2011 only two years after the swedish version but we won't be talking
1: about that version too much today I'll it is like... um all right i will just say yeah. it is also very good yes i've heard and the entire swedish version of the trilogy is actually on Netflix right now, so if you oh, want to check it out, you that's can. Right.
0: And they did make all three books into. They did.
1: A they movie. did all three, and they're, they are enjoyable. Um, I just didn't want to deal with subtitles. Yeah. and time. I think
0: they made them basically all at the same time, so the continuity is pretty good. Yeah, I think I read that somewhere.
1: I, I that is what I remember. It's been yeah. a few years since I saw them, yeah. but I, that is what I remember. Yeah,
0: um, and so like I said, the movie sticks pretty closely to the book with a few notable exceptions. Um, the framing story opens much more quickly in the movie. Michael's Thank trial has just... God. Right? Michael's trial has just ended with his guilty verdict, and you're you're not really sure what's going on, except that Daniel Craig's done something bad and being punished for it. And, like, there's a bunch of news stories and stuff, but you have to really pay attention to kind of understand what's going on. And that's not a bad thing. You don't need to know what's going on because it doesn't add anything to you the story. You don't need the boat scene. You don't need the boat scene. Ugh. Mm. I was so happy when that was cut. I was like, oh, thank God. We learn Elizabeth has drafted a report on on Michael, um, sh- and she hasn't been asked to uh, draft one on Wennerstrom. She undertakes that on her own, though I'm not entirely clear why. Funsies. Because she's For just funsies. a good person?
1: Like that? Oh, she's not a good person. I don't think that's why she does it. Right,
0: so I, that, you missed that piece. <sighs> Um, Michael is lured to Hedestad by Frode and offered the job to write Henrik Vanger's memoir, as in the book, um, but really to investigate Harriet's murder. Um, we have no indication Michael is really interested in this job, despite the obvious intrigue with the flowers and the carrot of, Venest- like, Vennerstrom. I think Vonger shows him, like, this minuscule file, and I'm just, he, like, kind of, like, hides it back, and I'm just like, that's not really worth it, dude, but whatever. <laughs> um, until... You know, we we cut to a scene where he's traveling back to Hadesat on a train with a full complement of luggage, and so he's clearly planning on, planning on an extended stay this time. So mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, okay, I guess he decided to to take this job. Some okay. of the some of the equivocation is cut out. Yeah, I'm like, okay, no problem. We're just I'm suspending my disbelief. I'm going with it. Going with it. Um, the clues to Harriet's mystery, mystery remain much the same. The Bible verses, the photos—they mm-hmm. follow the same
1: path to Which, like, reveal. The it's bit. not the whole story, no, because there's quite a lot of framing. Yes. But that mystery itself—I I enjoyed it's that well part. Well structured, exactly. Yeah. Like I think if the movie
0: had focused just on the mystery, it Which still would have been a good movie. Much more with the Swedish version. Yeah, it me. still would have been a fantastic movie because mm-hmm. that is, I think. And from the people I've talked with who have read the book too, like that is their favorite part of the book. Oh yeah, is like the that meant central mystery, and not so much the framing and agreed. All the yeah. millennium stuff. Um, and maybe I just don't remember this in the book, but I feel like Martin was a much more active participant in Henrik's plan for both Michael and Millennium from the very beginning.
1: I think Martin is present a lot more. Yeah, in the in the in movie. The oh,
0: no, in the movie because really? he's he's like he. Martin is there when Henrik is talking with Erica and Michael about becoming, about buying the ownership interest. Yeah, but Martin, be, so I think. In but the, I feel like in the book, Martin didn't become part of the board until Heinrich, Henrik had his heart attack.
1: He didn't, but I think, I think they've combined multiple scenes. Because I think that they originally talked to Vanger, but I think there is a scene where they talk to Martin as well. And then when Henrik has his heart attack, Martin becomes more involved. But I think Martin, like I think Martin did meet Erica Berger while she right, was. Right, but there. I don't
0: think Martin was in was fully aware, like was fully aware and like okay with Henrik hiring Michael f- to investigate Harriet's murder.
1: No, he 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 wasn't. But of all the people on Hadley Island, Martin was the most supportive, other than Dirk Frode.
0: Right, but I feel like Martin was like from the very beginning he knew why Michael was there cuz Henrik had taken him into his confidence. Gotcha. And like okay. I was like eh. I'm like it works. But and like I feel like in the movie they did that to kind of make the the reveal much more the, shocking. much more shocking.
1: Yeah, and well in the book because it unfolds over a longer period of time, we have Ugh. various of Henrik's relatives saying, "You're just investigating yep. the Harriet thing, aren't you?" Mhm. Like they all figure it out. Yeah. I think maybe In some ways, in the film, Martin's kind of a stand-in for, they all know why he's really there.
0: Yeah, which brings me to my next point. Cecilia is relegated to a minor, minor character, with one scathing monologue about why she thinks Michael should leave Hedestad and the Vongers alone. She doesn't become his bedmate, she doesn't fall in love with him, she does none of this. She's just, I walk in, my hand's in my pocket, you should leave. And then leaves. I'm like, okay.
1: That's cool. That's
0: cool. You do you. Um, I feel like Elizabeth is in the movie is portrayed, um, having much more warm relationships. Mm. Um, so in the movie, Elizabeth is the one she, I mean, in the book as well, um, she discovers her guardian after his stroke, but in the movie, she regularly visits with him. She regularly visits him. She plays chess with him. She, she maintains her relationship with him after his stroke. So when in the book, they make a point of
1: saying she never goes back to see him. So there's actually a couple of things in the movie that I believe are taken from subsequent books. Well, that
0: and that was another point I. Had. Yeah, yeah, that was
1: one. That was one of them. So I think in the book, it's not clear that he lived. Right. And I think it's actually in the second book she finds out that he's still alive. Right. And then she, she leaves, starts visiting yeah, him. She
0: leaves the hospital after he has a stroke, and like she doesn't bother to stick around long enough to figure out if he's alive. Right. Because I think
1: she just thinks he. he died yeah yeah and i so that's that's if i remember correctly that's the second book
0: yeah so like but again like i don't haven't read the second book
1: and you're not going to going to because you have better things to do with your time
0: so this is just my take um and then her mother is completely absent
1: from this oh yeah Mm -hmm. she's
0: not even mentioned at all um we actually see we do see elizabeth brutalized by her her new guardian and her revenge on him
1: also Bureman.
0: Advokat Björman, yes.
1: I'm just going to say that a few more times. Advokat Björman.
0: And it was brutal.
1: It is really brutal brutal to read and to watch. It
0: was, it was really hard to watch. Yeah. And I did have to look away multiple times for both.
1: Both his assault on her and yes. her revenge assault were very disturbing to yes. watch.
0: Yes, they were. And they should be something. They should be. Like, yes. We should never become... In like immune to that kind of violence, it's sh- or it should nerd, That's the word I was looking for.
1: I think both would would apply. Yeah, I yeah, I, I agree. And it's always tricky when you're doing um, a scene of rape or sexual assault because you want to be honest, mm-hmm. but then there's so many things where <laughs> so many times in popular culture, I'm like, do we really need this rape? Right. And like, so- are you just doing this yeah. because? you're kind of titillated by putting it in your story right
0: so one of my questions to you is about that so oh i'm sorry i'm I'm getting ahead please
1: i'm anticipating
0: (laughs) we've just been doing this so long we know each other so
1: i would argue that i think david fincher does actually handle it well yes considering that so much of this this story both in the book and the film is about you know the 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 ripples of violence that come that Mm -hmm. come out of these acts you know elizabeth's brutalization is handled well Mm -hmm. because it is so disturbing yes so i would argue that it being so disturbing is preferable to it being right you don't want more palatable yeah and so
0: like um You know, hi Rupert. I know it's it was it was a horrible scene.
1: Rupert does not like violence. He doesn't.
0: He doesn't, especially the violence against women, and cats and cats. Yes, and that this book is full of both. Yeah, which is honest. Like, it was hard to read the cat. It was hard to see the cat. It was hard to read the rape and and the revenge. And it was very hard to watch both. Yeah. But anyways, we can we can move on. Yeah, let's move on. Yep. Um. Michael and Lisbeth still end up in bed together, inexplicably, in my mind, without any sort of internal monologue from Lisbeth.
1: I don't need any internal monologue. It's Daniel Craig.
0: Well, yes, I totally agree, but she's just all of a sudden standing in front of him and takes her underwear off, and I was like, where did that come from?
1: so for those of you listening Sam just did a physical bit Sam I can't see you I do physical bits a lot that
0: you guys can't see normally it doesn't matter because Anna's talking at the same
1: time I'm going to describe what Sam just did she stopped looked to the right looked to the left and didn't see anything so if you can just picture that that's what she did I was looking around for a reason as to why
0: she took her underwear off. Yeah, but we... <laughs> we, we are
1: experienced podcasters. Clearly. <laughs> we should definitely leave our day jobs for this. I'm, you know what? Uh, this is officially my two weeks' notice, and as soon as anyone I work with ever listens to my podcast, that's when it's gonna click in. Nice. So I like it. Gonna call that bluff. Oh, <laughs> we'll totally listen to your podcast, Anna. Oh, yeah, totally. Send so us a link. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got a car trip coming up. I'm totally gonna listen to it. <laughs> Have you listened to it yet? Oh, it's oh, on yeah. my to-do list.
0: It's in my, it's on my library. You know, my, get my to coworkers it.
1: are really nice. I shouldn't make <laughs> one of them.
0: I'm sure they are very nice.
1: And someday, maybe <laughs> someone I know will listen to my
0: podcast. <laughs> as soon as we get those business cards, we'll we'll get so yeah. many.
1: Hey, Rupert, you've got to stop talking. Yeah. Stop please talking, stop, Rupert. You, hey, Rupert, you should do some more physical bits. Could mm-hmm. you do some silent humor? Over to the side, thanks. <laughs> um, Better seen and not heard, right?
0: So then we also lo- we learn the story of Elizabeth's childhood and, and what she did to her father and why she was truly declared mentally incompetent. And I'm assuming this was pulled from one of the later books as it was not included. Yes. In The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Correct. And so that is also apparently the Guardian stuff as well. Um, palm Grin. Yeah.
1: yeah. So if you ever do want to go back and either read the other two books or watch the, s- or the Swedish i probably trilogy, watch the Swedish version trilogy. They do delve a lot more into her family history. Yeah. And it's, there's actually some really interesting stuff in there.
0: I don't know. And, like, and so, like, that would be, I think, one of the only reasons to keep reading. Because Michael wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, I'm going to read more
1: about this guy. Yeah, Elizabeth Salander is the real draw. Yeah, she's she's the real draw.
0: And, like, in the first book, it's a little, she's rough enough around the edges where I'm kind of like, I need a little bit more of your backstory, girl, before I'm really 100% on your side.
1: They delve deep.
0: Yeah, which is good. You know, and that's good to know. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. So Martin is still the serial killer, and Godfrey, their father, a, is still a sadistic, incestuous monster. Um, the resolution of Martin's storyline still feels just as rushed in the movie as in the book, even without all the waffling about what to publish or not. Oh my god, Michael. Don't publish. I don't even understand why that was even a
1: question in your effing mind. Wait, don't publish the truth about Martin?
0: About... No, about Harriet. and Yeah, Harriet oh. and Martin.
1: Really? You didn't think that there was... Okay. Yeah.
0: Interesting. Yeah, no. I'm like, what would it have... I mean, the only thing I could have supported was if um, it truly would have gotten closure for people's families.
1: Well, all right. So this is a weird moral conundrum because there was proof of, like, the identity of the women that Martin yeah. had murdered over the decades, and Solander destroyed it. Yeah. That I did not agree with. So... But I don't think Michael should have published it, like, as a news article. Right. Right. No, I'm I'm not sure I agree, but I also disagree with Solander's choice to yeah to burn. I Bernal. definitely did I, not I agree don't know with why Bernal. she did that. I don't either,
0: and I'm not really sure I fully understand why she was so angry with Harriet. I under I I, think, I mean I guess I get like why she was like not why she didn't get what Harriet was coming from right away mm-hmm. without because bef- I think it was before she knew exactly what Harriet had gone through.
1: Yeah, but. I think what Harriet went through was not dissimilar to what she went through right. and how you handle it is...
0: Exactly. And I think Lisbeth is kind of like, you know, she's gone through what she's gone through and so that's kind of what she sees. Like, how she handles it, how she thinks everyone should right. handle it.
1: Well, I'm not sure... I'm not sure Elizabeth's way of handling it is no. really the healthiest way. Well, exactly. Either. But, you Also, know... it, I'm not sure... Because Elizabeth is clear. I mean, she's declared incompetent. Clearly, she is not incompetent. Right. But there is some emotional development that is lacking Mm -hmm. in Salander. So, you know, I don't know if she's on the spectrum or if it's just Just traumatic, some kind of traumatic developmental Mm -hmm. delays around her emotional development, but there's clearly some pieces that, like, don't quite click for her around interacting with other people Mm -hmm. and understanding other people's emotions. Yeah.
0: And then, like, empathizing and... Yeah.
1: She does... She has a very strong moral core. Mm Mm-hmm and a very strong sense of right and wrong that does not line no. up with what is considered legal and, and illegal. so like you know whenever
0: whenever mike michael makes a joke about we really need to talk about you know what's okay what's what's okay and what's not okay right it's like he's kind of like he he's not judging her he's not telling her he she needs to change but she's he's like let's see if we can get another way of thinking yeah going
1: but i think that for Lisbeth, her moral course says when you encounter a villain like mm-hmm. Martin, a murderer, a rapist, it is it behooves you to stop him. And Harriet right. ran away right. And Harriet allowed Martin to continue to rape and murder right for 20 years. Right. So I think that's why.
0: yeah, no, and I, for Lisbeth it,
1: it goes against her moral. Right. Code. and
0: I, I get that, but um, and so that's why I was like, oh my God, Lisbeth, like why are you thinking that? like I get it? but I didn't necessarily agree with, oh, sure, her i didn't think it was the only thought that there should be
1: i think this is a very deep topic to dig into <laughs> in a comedy podcast right if yeah i'm not even gonna say it. Let's, i'm gonna stop interrupting you if that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> okay <laughs>
0: Um, and, of course, the biggest, the largest chain, change, in my opinion, is the actual ending to Harriet's mystery. In the movie, she has been living unmarried in London as her cousin Anita. Anita herself, the actual Anita, married and took her husband's name and let, Larry, let Harriet live on her unmarried passport identity. Um, and no one questioned this because Anita left Hedisod in when she was 18, had no contact with her family, eventually moved out of country everywhere, and then she and her husband actually ended up dying several years earlier in a car accident
1: right so harriet is still living as anita well in the in the book i don't in think the book she's, she's anita. anita she's but but she is the one who got married right
0: exactly whereas it's, it's reverse.
1: and in the and she
0: ends up in australia and anita the real anita in the movie i don't think she ever ends up in australia i think she just tours london like tours europe and ends e- up yeah, Nine, there's in there in the movie there's
1: no Australia, which yeah. is a darn shame. Right? I was really looking forward to meeting her son Jeff.
0: So looking forward to that. It's a so missed
1: opportunity, David Fincher. Come on. Right. So missed. You owe us some hot Australian abs and I am disappointed in you.
0: <sighs> yep. I know. And he's like, you have this entirely fantastic cast, just add one more.
1: Get any any one of the Hemsworths would have right? been fine.
0: Any one of them. Even the lesser, lesser Hemsworth. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I I honestly don't know how many there are there's at least three
0: I believe there's four and I'm not sure the I'm not sure the fourth one is actually an actor though honestly put him in there it's yeah, fine it's totally fine it's totally fine I would have taken anyone all those. right
1: so that's a change we would make to the film yes if it had been up to us yes good yep. to know
0: um, and then after the wrap up to the central plot there's still yet 30 more minutes of unnecessary wrapping up of the framing <laughs> story which is not essential to either character growth or plot so why did we need to see this
1: so the only thing is I, again, we're going back to what the original trilogy was. Stop doing that. I'm, well, but I'm telling you because <laughs> I've read them. Lisbeth Salander ends both the book and the movie with Vennerstrom's money. Yes. And it is her having this money that then propels some of the things that happen in the second and third And if book. they had
0: actually made the second book into a movie, they would have been fine. I know.
1: I see your point. I do. But did, I mean, did they wrap up the Swedish version with that? I honestly don't remember. Well, eh. so the other thing is that the, because the movies are all, like, back to back. Yeah. I don't remember what happened in the first versus the second one. Yeah. They all kind of run together in yeah. my head.
0: Which is fine. So, like, they could have started the second movie with
1: But it's, this. It, it is satisfying to see Lisbeth yeah. screw this guy over, who's such a jerk. Right. But it is way less interesting than right. the the Island and like, mystery.
0: And, in, in, like, in the book it's definitely much more interesting, but in the movie it's, like, you see a few few news clips of him and you're just like, oh, this who, who is this guy? Like, why is everybody out to get him? It's Like, you don't...
1: He's a generic business jerk.
0: Exactly. And so you, you're not, like, I personally wasn't fully invested in him as a villain that people need to take down.
1: You know, actually something they left out of the movie that I think helps propel that part of the book is that because... Elizabeth has access to Vennerstrom's computer and mm-hmm. his private emails, and she's digging through his files. She finds all this bad stuff he did, like including he's like
0: all of his violence against women, and like that's he's that's another what man tur- who that's hates what women. turns her against him, and that's like that's what we're missing. So I guess that if they'd left that in the movie, yes. I think that would have helped. Yeah, there's
1: a specific instance where he he hooks up with a young waitress, like mm-hmm. in her early twenties, right. gets, gets her, pregnant. her pregnant. She asks for money, like I forget if she asks for money to support the child or. Yeah, she asks for money. Mm-hmm. He has his goons like hold her head under water in a tub until she agrees to an abortion. Yep. Like if they'd included that, that
0: exactly what like,
1: Elizabeth did would have been a lot more. Yep. Would have felt more like yeah a, the the righteous payback that yeah. it is in the book.
0: It's like other than her revenge on Bierman, I didn't understand any of her motivations.
1: Hmm.
0: In regards to, um. Starting to dig into Vennerstrom at the beginning.
1: Yeah.
0: Or, and then, like, kind of stealing his money at the end. Yeah. It's like, I got why she be- agreed to be Michael's research assistant because it was a fascinating case and he had dirt on her. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I was just like, I don't, I don't, I could not see what was driving this woman.
1: Yeah. Okay. I can see that.
0: But that's just me. I mean... Granted, I was also texting you my commentary the whole time, so
1: maybe I missed <laughs> maybe it. Maybe you missed it.
0: Maybe I missed it.
1: <laughs> you were a little tired. Yeah. It's a um, long movie.
0: I didn't talk about this here, um, and it's one of my questions, so I think I'm actually just going to leave it for the question and answer portion of our of our. Okay. Our
1: well, is it then is it time for some fun and games? I think it might be time for some fun and games.
0: Hooray! Um, should we start with top three Hotties? Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah who are your top three hotties sam um daniel craig Mm -hmm. even with his journalist i say in air quotes body Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) yeah according to imdb daniel craig quote gained some weight unquote to do this movie so he didn't have like bond body so that he would look like a journalist i but that is i'm sorry (laughs) even rupert agrees yeah rupert rupert is thirsty for daniel craig
0: yep Um, Stellan Skarsgård. Skarsgård. He's not nearly as sweaty this time, which helps. But he is more rapey
1: He is more rapey, But I mean,
0: up until he reveals the torture chamber, he was very Stellan Skarsgård. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so there's a caveat to that. Okay. Um. And then my last one is actually Julie Richardson. She has aged
1: very well. Yeah. She. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. She's Mm -hmm. got the red grave jeans. Oh yeah, she does. Uh, so my three hotties are Daniel Craig, Daniel Craig, and Daniel Craig. Fair. Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to put Stellan Skarsgård, but I just couldn't. I couldn't that's overlook fair. the tortured rape chamber. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but you know what? Actually, Julian Sands. Oh, yes. As young. As young Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. They do look alike. They do. And he's Julian Sands is cute. He's cute. Um, I don't know why, but when I was rereading the book... I somehow got in my head that it was. Um, oh shoot! What's the actor's name? the The one who plays Dumbledore. Oh. <laughs> the young Dumbledore or the old Dumbledore? No, no the the the. Who plays Dumbledore in the in movies 3 and on?
0: Michael Gambon. Yeah,
1: I kept picturing Michael Gambon playing <laughs> Henrik Fonger. <laughs> nice. And then I remembered it was Christopher Plummer and I was like, right, of course. Yeah, but yeah. I just pictured him.
0: Well, and, like he was also going to be on my he like normally he would have gone straight to my Christopher top Plummer would have been in yeah. your hotties. Um but his stash was freaking me out. It was just it was too thin and
1: yeah, Swedish stash.
0: Yeah, I couldn't get into
1: it. Uh Christopher Plummer does go on my hottie list for many films he has been in. Yes. So that's his consolation. Exactly. Okay.
0: What are your top three styles or outfits?
1: All right. So uh, my first one is uh, when Lisbeth um, tortures Berman, she's got this, like, black Revenger look. Mm. Like, she didn't just do raccoon eyes. She's wearing, like, a mask yeah. um, of, of eye makeup, and I'm here for it. It's nice. awesome. Uh, the second outfit is... And I know we don't normally swear on this podcast, but <laughs> the morning that Michael Blomkvist shows up at her house, she's wearing a t-shirt that says, fuck you, you fucking fuck.
0: <laughs> I, I could totally get behind that t-shirt.
1: And it's awesome. Yep. And then my third outfit is the combo of Michael Blomkvist's dad glasses and dad vest. Nice. It's it's real cute. <laughs> what are your three outfits? So I only had two this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jayla Craig's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay <laughs> things i would like to see myself in right okay
0: um and then rooney mara's dragon tattoo
1: okay mm-hmm. <laughs> <His underwear. laughs> um all right quizzes and questions all right what are your what are your questions i only have one question okay if you drank as much coffee in real life as the characters in this book would you die Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I would. That's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, I would not
0: have made it past like the first page. Oh, my <laughs> the God.
1: F- the first time I read this book, I was like, why am I craving coffee? <laughs> <laughs> why do I want coffee so much? They drink co- It's like, it's like someone other, shows up at sentence. someone else's house at midnight, and they're like, I'll go put on a co- pot of coffee. Right? I'm like, don't. No. It's tea. midnight. It's- don't drink no. coffee. It's like, no, yeah. why are you people don't get any sleep? Do the Swedes not know about tea? No, apparently not i don't get it that's my question what's yours (laughs) what are your questions
0: um so mine are actually a little bit heavy oh good i apologize for that but okay i'm ready um so we, we talked about that a little bit so then what did you think of larson's inclusion of the violence against women statistics before each kind of section of the book
1: oh that was really interesting i thought it was right so um yeah, at the beginning of each chapter, he's got a statistic about you know seventeen percent of Swedish women have been threatened by a man, and some percentage of women have been sexually assaulted. And I mean, clearly Stig had he had a point he was trying to make, mm-hmm. and I yeah I, I, I gotta say my kind of vision of what Sweden is is much more like. Mm-hmm. I think I keep confusing it with Norway because Norway, I keep thinking it's like this socialist paradise. Mm-hmm. But that's really Norway, isn't yeah, it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Fewer <laughs> Nazis. I, I I thought it was, I appreciated it.
0: Yeah. And I liked how it kind of like almost set up the part of the story that was upcoming. Yeah. You know, it really kind of helped set your expectations of, oh, things just keep getting progressively yeah. worse. Uglier. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um what did you think of Daniel Craig's journalistness?
1: His journalistness? Yeah. Uh did his,
0: I think gruff he... and his glasses and
1: All right. So Daniel Craig is not normally my type. And like honestly his bond is like he's fine. Mm-hmm. He's, I mean he's a good bond, but I'm not like
0: mm-hmm.
1: not drooling over it. But um he is super hot as Michael Blomfield. Right? And I'm like, "Oh, Daniel Craig with some scruff and some dad glasses mm-hmm. and like not an ab fest. Like, oh, he doesn't have a six pack. But he's still got like a. a pack. But he still has a really. Yeah, I yeah, know. He's, <laughs> he's pretty darn smoking. His, his abilities as a writer and journalist, I don't know. I was not paying attention. I was looking at his beautiful eyes.
0: It was funny too because I was basically making fun of him the whole time for his like quite obvious choices to portray a journalist walking around with his glasses like on his chin in that distracting oh yeah manner <laughs>
1: um i'm a journalist i put my glasses <laughs> in weird places on my head
0: I'm sorry i just keep it was distracting because
1: mm-hmm. he's so hot
0: and i'm just like i know you're trying to be like a serious journalist here but you're just making me laugh buddy <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay and then actually i only had one heavy question never mind this is funny <clears throat> in all caps
1: why did Daniel Craig highlight the entire effing report? Why did he highlight the entire? What was report? the point of that? If you highlight every line, nothing is highlighted. There is no point. You are just basically saying everything has important is has an emphasis. Why? That was giving me t- PTSD to college when you would buy the used books from the college yellow. bookstore and you're like who is the idiot who owned this book last semester mm-hmm. and highlighted every single sentence mm-hmm. in this chapter yep. that makes no sense no sense
0: and i was like come who on gave him that direction if that was a choice he made who didn't tell him to stop <sighs>
1: I'm everybody disappointed in that in, scene i am disappointed in david fincher yes. i am disappointed. In Daniel Daniel Craig. Craig.
0: I am disappointed in the director of photography.
1: I am disappointed in poor Dead Stig Larson. Right? Uh, What the heck? I'm going to take that back. That wasn't his fault. (laughs) No.
0: But I'm like, seriously. (sighs) Have you... Yeah. Do people not know... What? It's like, have you never, ever used a highlighter before? That was not okay. Do not understand what the point is? That was not okay. That... All right. Honestly, basically, that soured me on the entire movie.
1: <laughs> You're like, this this kills it.
0: This kills it. I'm like, you if you can't
1: even figure out how to use a highlighter, then how can you how can you do this? So this isn't really a question, but I something that I found really interesting both in the book and the movie is the role reversal of having um, Bloomquist be the one who is victimized by mm-hmm. Martin, and that Salander is the one who bursts in at the last Save minute him. and saves him. And like, it was it was very interesting to have that swap and that. Michael Bloomfist is, like, physically incapacitated. He is overpowered. And, like, Salander is the one mm-hmm. who... No, I did appreciate Who beats that. up the bad guy. Yeah.
0: No, I, and I, like, that is one of the things I did like about this book is um, women, despite all the horrific things that are done to them, are resilient yeah. and strong. Mm-hmm. And they don't, like, even Harriet with her running away, she did make something of herself.
1: Yeah, I mean, so Elizabeth Salander may not agree with running away, but I mean, but that, Harriet you, made a wonderful life for she herself. Did. And
0: Elizabeth is still learning. Yeah. But she's also like she kicks
1: ass and she takes names. Ass. And she breaks your face with a freaking golf club. Right? Like you deserve. Mhm. Mhm. So, we have something new today.
0: So exciting. I love new games. I know. Yay. <laughs> all right so we have a new game today it's called is michael bloomquist bangable
1: and this is book only right
0: because clearly daniel craig is bangable
1: yeah no movie n- there's is bangable. no debate there there's, no debate, there's there. no debate
0: there um so we're gonna run this game with debate rules we each present our position for approximately two minutes and then point counterpoint and rupert is not invited to debate no rupert is not invited though he will interject i'm sure
1: you're you are fixed rupert you can't have opinions about no. banging
0: And so we flipped a coin earlier, and Anna won the toss. So Anna's going
1: first. So um, I am in the pro column. I believe that Michael Blumkvist is bangable. So I have a few points I'd like to make. So the original title of the book is Men Who Hate Women. Blumkvist does not hate women. I think this makes him actually kind of special. Of the three women in uh, Dragon Tattoo that Blumkvist bangs, uh, two have experienced physical abuse and have a hard time trusting men. Blumfist is unlike the other men they've encountered in their lives. And I'm, of course, talking about Cecilia mm-hmm. and uh, Elizabeth. Um, I would also compare Michael Blumfist to someone I know you think is bangable, Corman Strike.
0: Yes, he is so Of bangable. the Robert
1: Galbraith series. Ugh. So he is described as being, Corman Strike is being described as being physically unattractive. Mm-hmm. Kind of boorish sometimes. But women throw themselves at him. That is true. And Sam, you don't object don't to that. I don't object to that. So, and just to sum up the kind of man Blumenkvist is, he is intelligent, curious, ambitious without being obnoxious. And he has a strong moral core. He also works out, is handy around the house. Remember he, he refinished both his apartment and his mm-hmm. million dollar cabin by the ocean right. by himself. I'd live there. Um, And he can cook. He does not need nor ask for women to take care of him, manage him, or coddle him. I think all of those are very attractive qualities.
0: All right. So uh, I don't think Book Michael is bangable. Or let me rephrase. I don't think he's instantly bangable. Mm-hmm. I feel like with Erica Berger, they have already have a history, so that makes sense. And um, their situation seems to work for them. And so I have no... I understand that fine you know uh but then he meets cecilia and she's like i'm a lonely old woman bang me okay she's in her 50s she's not old (laughs) no but she like that's like the impression you get um and then she's like no i'm young but then she like she meets this guy she objects to his reason for being on the island initially she doesn't kind of agree with why her uncle has brought him there and then she's not willing to talk to him. But then he goes over there late at one night and she's just like, "Oh, okay, let's just have sex." And I'm like, uh and she kind of tries to portray herself as having many lovers and being open to this kind of thing when in fact she hasn't had that many lovers and she's very selective about who she about who she sleeps with. And so I just don't understand why you meet a guy that you don't really know anything about and you don't even like why he's there and you choose him to sleep with i i just don't get that and then with lizbeth i get a little bit more why she is interested in learning more about michael because he treats her as if she's normal he doesn't try to you know kind of coddle her he doesn't try to learn about her he respects her barriers um but she is so kind of internal and caught up in her own life I just I don't understand why she is so easily caught up in Michael as a relationship possibility and so I just didn't think that read true to who Elizabeth is it's like I would have expected her to have sex with him and then move on and like still work with him and stuff but not to kind of be like oh this guy is like you know the guy and so i just i didn't i didn't see enough of the interactions between cecilia and michael and elizabeth and michael to be like oh yeah totally i can totally see why you guys
1: fell in love with him and you just want to keep going so my counterpoint Mm -hmm. i would argue that for cecilia she did not intend to have a relationship with blemquist and in fact the fact that she lives on Hedeby Island where almost everyone is related to her, everyone knows her, everyone knows her family This, she probably doesn't get exposed to a lot of outsiders, let alone outsiders who are guaranteed not to stick around, it's not like he moved there, he was there temporarily, so I think the appeal may have been that there was no um, she would be able to keep this relationship somewhat secret and there was no, you know long-term possibility falling in love with him was not the plan mm-hmm. and I would argue the same thing for Elizabeth Salander she originally started out with I'm gonna bang this guy and it was only after they'd been sleeping together and working together for a little while that she realized her feelings were becoming stronger and it was not her original plan right so that's my counterpoint
0: my counterpoint is um for Cecilia yes I agree she didn't plan to fall in love with him But there's one point in the book where she breaks it off with him and says, um, and like admits to her loneliness and stuff like that, and that was what it started, but, um, she says that she voluntarily doesn't go out and seek this kind of thing out, and, like, she purposely keeps it secret so that she doesn't have to worry about her family, and, like, I don't, like, she just she reveals herself to be the kind of person who's not into that kind of thing anyway she's mm. not looking she doesn't like go out looking for this kind of thing and so i just i didn't with all that she with all that she revealed when she broke up with him i just didn't believe it that she would have initially initiated it in the first place because that's just not who she told that's not who she was that's that's what she admitted that's not who she was um and then with lisbeth I mean, I see your, your I see your counterpoint, um, and that she definitely didn't plan to fall in love with him, um, but I just, when she admitted to herself that's what she had done, I was like, is it really, hmm. is it really, or, you know, it's like, are you really, are you really assessing the situation, are you just, are you just kind of assuming it's love because it's something you haven't felt before? And so it, it just, it didn't ring, not true, but it just, it didn't seem like that's what it all fully was.
1: Mm. So I'm going to break the rules a little bit and just make one more counterpoint, which is that it's possible, it's not Bloomfist who's the problem, it's just that Cecilia's nuts. Well, that was
0: clearly the tr- Like clearly the case clearly. as well. <laughs> she was right. definitely nuts. She's a monger.
1: Well, I would like to invite our listeners to let us know who won that debate. <laughs> You be the judge. Is Michael Blomquist bangable? Book version only. Let us know your thoughts. Oh, God. And now it's time for fake awards. Yay! Sam, what are your fake awards? All right,
0: I I got some. So the Jeff Goldblum Award for me goes to the incredibly obvious shots of the incredibly bad cell phone service (laughs) up in Sweden. Uh, the award for making my blood boil goes to the bloody
1: stupid highlighting technique of Daniel Craig. <laughs> I'm never gonna let that go. I will never see Daniel Craig the same again. No, nope. Did we actually see that it was him doing it, or was it like we see hands doing it? Just like, hands. could it have just been like it the could, props guy? It could have been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Craig wasn't even on set that day. No, he probably he wasn't. More blame. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this was sec- this was second unit stuff. Oh. <laughs> Um, and then the, that, the dad bod award goes to Stellan Skarsgård. <gasps> Wait. Not, you're not fooling anyone, Daniel Craig. That Ste- is not a dad bod. Stellan
1: Skarsgård wins the dad bod over Daniel Craig? <laughs> Daniel Craig
0: does not have a dad bod. He has a bond bod. It's still it, this a bond was like, bod. Oh,
1: wow. Okay. <laughs> Look, if they want, if I am I'm willing to judge a rematch, of <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård and James, B- I mean, and Daniel Craig.
0: You called him James Bond.
1: I did. Ah. <laughs> uh, I am happy to judge a rematch anytime you boys are available. Right. Just like let, let me make sure I can get a babysitter. <laughs> <laughs> um so my fake awards, I would like to present the Jeff Goldblum award to the most bond-like opening credits in a non-bond movie. Oh my god, movie. they were awful. Those movie, they weren't awful. They just I was like, why are we getting bond credits? <laughs> it was so it was very interesting. That was the very
0: first comment to me, to um, you over text message.
1: Uh, best music in a torture scene goes to Anya's Orinoco Flow. <laughs> that Old was amazing. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole movie <laughs> is that Stellan Skard is like I'm gonna like tie you up by the neck and choke you with a plastic bag and Here's I might music. sexually assault you Daniel Craig Here's some Enya <laughs> Sail away Sail away sail away <laughs> and also i've had orinoco flow stuck in my head for the last few days same. since we watched the movie yep same um and oh. last best swede actually playing a swede goes to the original swedish chef stellan Skarsgard. <laughs> that nice. was the swedish chef joke i've been meaning to make all night there you go i love it
0: <laughs> all right all right So on our next episode, we'll be dreaming we've gone back to Manderley as we've discussed Daphne Daphne du Maurier's famous novel, Rebecca. We'll actually be watching two adaptations of this novel, the 1948 Alfred Hitchcock version starring Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine and the the 1997 miniseries starring Charles Dance and Dame Diana Rigg.
1: I am very excited for Charles Dance and I can virtually guarantee at least two two if not three golden child references nice golden child is not based on a book so i gotta work it in wherever i can
0: yeah you do (sighs) you can do it i have faith in you (laughs) (laughs) thank you
1: um if you like our show the best way to help us is to spread the word Rate and review on iTunes. Tell your friends, coworkers, and distant relatives how great Adapted with Anna and Sam is. And let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. Send questions, comments, and your six degrees to AdaptedWithAnnaAndSam at gmail.com. And don't forget to send in your ideas for next season. That's right. You can also
0: post them on Facebook. You can find us at Adapted with Anna and Sam. Follow us on Twitter
1: and Instagram at AdaptedPodcast.
0: Let's keep the conversation going.
1: Thanks for listening to Adapted with Anna and Sam. I'm Anna, and I wish Back to the Future Part 2 was based on a book.
0: (laughs) I'm Sam,
1: and I wish The Chronicles of Riddick was
0: based on a book. (laughs) Bye! Bye!